morning, New Life. Good morning. 2023 is almost done. And for some of you, that's a sad thing because you had a great year. And for some of you, you are so happy you just can't wait to get today done with. It's good to be together this morning. Um, over the last few weeks, I've been sharing some things about worship uh, in, during the, what we normally do as an offering. But we stopped taking offerings like we did in the old days where we had plates up here. Because y'all wouldn't throw your cell phones in the offering plates. That was a joke because that's all you, you don't write checks anymore. You don't use cash. But um, I want to talk about worship real quick because I want you to understand what we believe is a church. Um, Genesis chapter 22 and verses 1 through 5. I'm going to read this and then we'll get into the service real quick. It says, after these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, Abraham, and he said, here I am. And he said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him for a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose up early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took his, two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering, and he rose and went to the place where God had told him. And on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw a place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey, and, I'll, and I and the boy will go over and worship and come to you. So worship, uh, we talked about a few weeks ago, was holding on to things loosely. That the things that we have on this earth are not ours. They belong to God's. They belong to God. Um, and worship is also obedience to letting those things go that we actually love. Because we love God more. And while we love to give him our mistakes, we love forgiveness, don't we? I don't know about you. I love forgiveness. But we always hold back our miracles. The blessings we hold back, but we love to give him our bad things. And we talked about that. But with all this talk about worship, worship holding things loosely and giving him what we love, you need to understand if you're not a believer or you're new to this thing, we believe God is God. And that the test of our worship is demonstrated through four different truths. There are no boundaries to what God can ask of me. Because he's God. Nothing is off limits in my life when God, where God is concerned. Because he's God. God can request anything he wants from me. Because he's God. And there's nothing in my hands that belongs to me. God owns it all. So when it comes to worship, it's not about singing songs. It's about giving him what I'm holding on to that belongs to him anyway. It's making God be God in my life. So if you wonder why we do some of the crazy things that we do as Christians, it's because God is God. And everything belongs to him. And when we come together, we come together to offer him all that we have, especially the things that we love that we want to hold on to. So let's go ahead and stand and we'll pray. Father, it is my prayer that the people in this room this morning learn to worship you. That they learn how amazing you are and how awesome you are and how everything belongs to you. So when you ask of our heart, we give it to you because you're worthy of it. When you ask of our life, we give it to you because you're worthy of it all. When we ask even for our families, we love you so much we give them to you because we Trust that you're going to do better with them than we can. 
And when it comes to offerings, when it comes to finances, we trust you with what you can do with our finances way more than what we can do because it belongs to you. So, Father, this morning we want to be worshipers of you, not just in song, but in act. So help us to apply these truths, Lord God, to the way we live our life every day, that you may be honored in all that we do. We love you so in Jesus we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Let's worship. This is our God, this is who He is, 
Wasn't that good? Woo, I will love you all my days, Jesus. All right, I have some announcements. First, let's go ahead and dismiss the kids. It was great having you up here. Oh, so tonight, we have something exciting. We have our prayer vision night, and that is at 6 p.m. So please come out tonight as we will be talking about what God has done in 2023 with some very special testimonies and how we're going to go, how we're going to approach 2024 through the word of God. So this will be an exciting night. You don't want to miss it. It's a family service, so there will be no child care. So just so you know that. And then on, let's see, on January 3rd, which is a Wednesday at 6 p.m., is going to be our Christmas takedown. So we need to take down all of the Christmas decorations. It'll be a fun night to be together, fellowship, and also um, serve. So let's, um, let's go ahead and take that opportunity and uh, be together that night. And then on Thursday... January 4th at 6 p.m., that's our first Thursday. That's when we come together and we have a potluck, we have some communion, we have fellowship, some teaching and worship. It's always a great night, so bring something for the potluck and come ready to receive. And on January 22nd, we have a men's fellowship dinner at 6 p.m., it's on a Monday night. The sign-up will be out at the information desk, so please stop by there after the service and sign up for that. I know it'll be a blessing to you. And then lastly, we have on January 23rd, our Rooted will be beginning again at 6.30 p.m. It is a wonderful, wonderful first, first step of our discipleship. So you don't want to miss that. It's a 10-week commitment to spiritual growth, and you will grow. It, you will grow. So please, if you have not joined Rooted and gone through that 10-week um, commitment, go ahead and sign up at the information desk after church today. And um, we have time. You can get signed up and get prepared and get ready for that. It's going to be amazing. All right. Come on. If you have never had to do announcements, you do not know fear and trepidation. Uh, announcements is worse than preaching. It's worse than singing. Oh, you guys can be seated. Sorry. Um, you just have to spit out rapid fire, random, abstract dates, times, and information. So let's, can we give DJ another round of applause, please? Well, I am here this morning with you, and I want to ask you a question, um, and you've probably asked yourself this question before, maybe you haven't, um, but I want to ask you a question that God has asked us, and that is, what do you want? Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, what do you want? If your spouse is there, we don't have time for that, Okay. If you're talking to your children, just wait until the car ride home when no one else can hear you, all right? But what do you want? Um, in John, we're going to start in John verse six, or chapter 16, verse 23. And this is not the only place that Jesus says this. This is not the only place where God says this. In fact, God says this in multiple different places, and I'm just cherry-picking this one, okay? 
But John 16, verse 23 says, In that day you will no longer ask me anything. Wouldn't that be amazing, parents? If like, in that day, at, at some point my children will stop asking me, Why? Why? But why? Why do I have to do the dishes? Because it is the cycle of life. In that day, you will no longer ask me anything. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. Very truly, I tell you, my father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Here we go. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. Hot dog, hot dog, hot diggity dog. Doesn't that sound grand? The son of God, the son of the creator of the universe says, hey, ask me anything. I am your spiritual genie. I will give you anything that you want. And we have just come off of the most consumeristic holiday of all holidays, right? Where there's this magical, mythical, jolly man. And all I have to do is pen what I want and send it to a place called the North Pole, and I will get it. And if that's not enough, there are movies and movies and movies and disgusting amounts of movies <laughs> that tell us the various ways that this can happen or not happen. Come on, is anybody, has, did anybody watch any movie this season that had to do with Santa Claus? There he is. He's here. He is among us. Well, Jesus tells his disciples, he says, ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. And I have some awful, downer, cynical, skeptical news to tell you. I have been doing this for almost 20 years. There are children of God whose joy is not complete. There are children of God who have asked in the holy incantation name of Jesus Christ and they still didn't get it. We're going to let that set. But, but, but God said that if I asked in his name, I would receive and that my joy would be complete. But I am standing before you at the end of 2023, and I have not received, and my joy is very, very, very far from complete. Anybody? Maybe not today, maybe last year, maybe the year before, maybe next year, who knows? So what is that about? Lord, I ask, this morning that you would help us to ask the way that you intended us to ask. Would you turn to 1 Kings 3? Like I said, this is not the first time God has said this to somebody. We're going to read a pretty famous story. If you don't know this story, um, you're about to get one of the bangers, all right? This is one of the great stories, the great successes of God and his people. 1 Kings Chapter 3, King David. Does anybody know who King David is? Okay. Has anybody ever heard of a David and Goliath story? Okay. 
if you, March Madness is just around the corner, is it not? Okay, this is where, all right, Solomon is David's son, okay? He's not the oldest son, he's not the best son, he's just the son that got to be the king after David died, all right? And 1 Kings 1 and 2 is an incredible story of vengeance, of action, of violence, of political turmoil. It is a great story. You should read it, okay? Um, But we're going to catch up with Solomon in 1 Kings chapter 3. And in verse 4, the king, that's Solomon, okay? He has already killed a bunch of people that didn't like him, all right? He's done a bunch of things. He's already risen. You know, he's got his advisors. He's got his whole kingdom kind of set up, all right? Verse 4, or 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 4. The king went to Gibeon to offer sacrifices, for that was the most important high place, meaning that was the most important place to go talk to God, Okay? And Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar, which feels like a lot. Did anybody burn any candles this Christmas holiday? Anybody? Light some candles? All right. It's a test because we asked you to do that on Christmas Eve. And so three of you did. Good job. Well done. I'm I'm just kidding. It's just a joke. And Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream, and God said, ask for whatever you want me to give you. That's pretty cool, right? You show up. How, how would you feel if you, if you came, you sang the songs, right? Pastor, you know, talked about Genesis, talked about giving your very best, and you, you laid down a thousand offerings via Apple Pay or Google Pay or whatever. And you're sitting here, and God appeared to you and said, ask me for anything you want me to give to you. What would you ask for? Come on. What would you ask for? This is a rhetorical question. Keep it to yourself or whisper to your spouse that thing that is still in your Amazon cart. All right? What would you ask God for? What is your deepest desire? What are you scared of? And so you're going to ask for something to protect you from that. What's that thing that you have always longed for? Um, I'm going to throw my dad under the bus. He doesn't watch these anyway, so it's fine. He has always, always wanted a Jaguar. Can I get an amen? Has anybody ever wanted an imported car before? Don't. They're wildly expensive to fix. Okay? What do you want? What do I want? What do we want? Well, Solomon passes the test. So Solomon answered, you have shown great kindness to your servant, my father David, because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart. You've continued this great kindness to him and have given him a son to sit on his throne this very day. Now, Lord, my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David, but I am only a little child and do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to count or number. So... This is what Solomon asks for. Give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right 
and wrong? That's a pretty good answer, right? Probably better than mine. Anybody? Anybody? Right? I don't want wealth. I don't want riches. I don't want a new car. I don't want a better house. I don't want a better job. I just want to be wise so that I can be the best king that I could be for your people, God. I mean, let's, can we give a round of applause for Solomon? Like, well done, right? There was one right answer, and you got it. So, verse 10, the Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. So God said to him, since you have asked for this and have not and not for long life or wealth for yourself, nor have you asked for the death of your enemies. What? Which is ironic because Solomon has just killed like five people. His enemies. Oh, I don't need to ask for that. We've already taken care of it. But God throws it in there, okay? He says, you didn't ask um, for long life or wealth for yourself, nor have you asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment in administering justice. I will do what you've asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, both wealth and honor, so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings. Sounds pretty cool, right? And then there's like this little teeny tiny condition, just a teeny tiny one. Verse 14, and if, don't you hate it when somebody says like, it's going to be awesome, everything's going to be wonderful, and if, you're like, oh, there it is, there's the string, right? There's the condition, you're not going to take me to ice cream unless I, if you, right? Sorry, I'm in a season of life where ice cream is king, okay? Not the, not the paid off house or, um, okay. And if you walk in obedience to me and keep my decrees and commands as David, your father did, I will give you a long life. And if you walk in obedience to me and keep my decrees and commands as David, your father did, I will give you a long life. Now, we're going to skip through all of the rest of this stuff. And Solomon was a great king. Solomon was a godly king. Solomon did incredible things for God. Solomon was the one who was able to fulfill what his father David wanted to do by building the temple. Building a high, beautiful, amazing, appropriate place for God to come and visit his people, the temple. Um. I was blessed recently, and I was able to go see a church in Europe that is mind-blowing, okay? Um, Peter's Basilica in Italy is possibly the most incredible thing I've ever seen in my life. To, so much so that my friend that was with me looked at me, we were just like... Like, it was just wild. And then he looked at me and said, so you don't believe there's aliens, huh? You think humans built this? No, I don't. I don't think so. All right? Solomon was able to build a temple like that. When you go through and you read the temple that Solomon built, it was incredible. It was amazing. But 
Actually, before we get to that, has anybody ever read Proverbs? Come on. These are like the greatest hits of the Old Testament. All right? If you can't get through numbers, no one holds it against you. It's wildly boring. Okay? But Proverbs, man, just a little bit goes a long way in not looking stupid. Come on. There was a season in my life I just thought, you know what? All I want to do is just, just to not look stupid. I'm just going to read Proverbs and just do that thing. Because am I the only one who has gotten to a point in life where I'm just sick of look, looking stupid? I'm sick of pulling my foot out of my mouth. Come on. That's all Solomon. Solomon wrote all of those things. All right? Solomon was an amazing, incredible king. But... This last part, and if you walk in obedience to me and keep my decrees and commands as David your father did, I will give you a long life. In Deuteronomy, when the Israelites were leaving Egypt and God was giving Moses the the decrees, the way of life for the Israelites, the way that God's people were supposed to live, there's this little teeny tiny clause for if you guys happen to have kings, this, this is the conduct for the kings. And it says this. It says, they should not build up for themselves stables for horses. Build up stables and build up an arsenal of horses. Back in the day, horses were the old jaguars, okay? They were... That was how you got around. If you had horses, that meant that you had political, military power, all right? Um, has anybody, does anybody know what an aircraft carrier is, okay? Do you know how many the United States has? Does anybody? Like, altogether, all the other nations in the world have, like, a combined of, like, seven Altogether, and that's all of the good countries and the bad countries, okay? We have 10, and they're bigger, like twice as big as the next biggest one. That's what Solomon did. God said, don't do that. And, and I'm not saying the United States is bad for it, okay? I just wanted to give you guys like a modern day. So God said, don't do that, because your might is not in your horses. Your might is in me. Solomon did that. It also has this weird clause that says, don't send people back to Egypt to bring horses back. First wife that Solomon has, Pharaoh's daughter. He says, don't do that. Don't build up for yourself horses, military power, wives. I don't know if you guys know this, but he had over 700 wives. That was not concubines. That's just the wives. And wealth. Solomon did all three. At the end of his life, Solomon did all three. By the time everything had gone, this long life that God had promised him, Solomon had actually started over here. God, please help me. I want to be close to you. God, I want to know you. I want to know wisdom. I want to know the right and wrong. I want to be a good king. And slowly but surely, God said, I'm going to give it to you and I'm going to give it to you in spades and it's going to be awesome. It's going to be amazing. I'm going to give you a long life if 
if you follow my commandments. The other thing that was in there, it says that once, you know, don't build up wives, don't build up a military, don't build up wealth. It says then the king is supposed to write this in his own hand. Has anybody ever written like a a series of scripture before by hand? It says he's supposed to keep it on him. So he writes it himself. He keeps it on him and he reads it every single day. Solomon clearly didn't do that. And I don't want... to bring unpleasant memories. But how many people do we know whose marriages started off great? How many people do we know who business partners went into business all excited, everything was gonna be awesome, and then slowly but surely the relationship, whichever one you're picturing in your head, slowly eroded and eroded and eroded and eroded until it was non-existent. God put that decree for kings in there for a reason because he didn't want kings to rely on their own strength. He didn't want the kings to rely on their wealth and he did not want to compete for their affection. Instead, he wanted them to be intimate with him. It's intimacy when you can read your spouse's handwriting. Can I get an amen? Come on. It is, it is intimacy when you can understand the babblings of a two-year-old, right? Parents, you don't even know that you understand this language until somebody from the outside comes in and they're like, what did she just say? Oh, she said that she wanted the red cup and not the blue cup. And that in fact, she would like you to sit with her too. And she also wants to, you're like, that is not what she said (laughs) at all. I remember my mom was like, did your child just speak Chinese? And I was like, what are you talking about? They did not know. I understood them completely, right? When you have to handwrite something, and you read it every single day, you're going to know what it says. Amen? So here's my question. Solomon, right, started off great, and slowly but surely his affections went somewhere else. His trust went somewhere else. His fears led him to Egypt and back. And he ended his life disgraced walked away from God. He built this incredible temple for God, this incredible monument for God, and then went and served other gods. It is great and awesome when the relationship starts off strong, okay? And that's usually how it goes, right? When we, you know, find somebody that we love and we want to spend the rest of our lives with them, it's amazing so much that we will endure a wedding ceremony, with our family to be with them. But if we don't do the right things, that relationship will erode, amen? So I'm gonna ask you again, what are you asking God for? What do you want God to do 
for you. If you could ask God for anything, what would you ask him for? John 13, verse 38. This phrase, this verse, is in all four Gospels, okay? They, they all tell this awful story, um, and you've probably heard this story before too, but if you haven't, today you're going to learn it. It's going to be awesome. And the story is that Jesus has done incredible things. Jesus has run an amazing race. Jesus has this banging ministry and everybody wants to be with him except the people in power they want to kill him and so then there's this festival called the Passover and has anybody ever seen the last supper before right or a picture of dogs at the last supper before anybody okay it's so powerful we know what the last supper is even if you don't go to church you know what the last supper is Jesus does it it's in all four gospels and then they get to this point where Jesus is like hey by the way I'm gonna die you guys are gonna be losers and deny me and you guys are gonna be scattered you guys are worthless you guys don't have a spine and Peter says no far be it from me Jesus son of God creator of the universe whom I will tell that he is wrong again. I will not deny you. And Jesus looks at him and all four of the authors make a mental note and tell 2,000 years of people that Peter says, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Verse 38, then Jesus answered, Will you really lay down your life for me? Very truly I tell you, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. Raise your hand if you've heard this before. Okay, you guys are with me. It's in all the Gospels, all right? Matthew, Mark, and Luke, right at this point, fast forward us to Jesus getting betrayed by Judas. But John turns the page and chapter 14 all the way chapter 14 through 17 that's 33 that's three I can do it I can do it I can do the, the math in my head three whole chapters John meanders almost aimlessly for a while, just back and forth and back and forth. And you've heard parts of this, right? Like Thomas said to the Lord, Lord, we don't know where you're going. So how can we know the way? And Jesus answered, I am the. You guys have heard this one. This is good. All right. How about this? Um, I'm the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch that bears no fruit while every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Anybody heard this one before? Remain in me and I in you. Has anybody heard this part? Yes? Okay. Um, what about this? Um, I have to go away. All this I have told you so that you will not fall away. Um, when the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And has anybody heard this part? Right? About the Holy Spirit, the advocate coming, you guide us in all truth. Let's see. Here's another part. Um, 
But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. This is amazing. John, why does John give us three chapters of just meandering back and forth? Because, and maybe this isn't the only reason, but this is one of the explanations, is that in Eastern society, we do not say what we mean. We will talk about bushes. We will talk about beating around the bush. We will talk about rivers. We will talk about rain. And we will talk about all this stuff so that everyone's confused and actually has to think. Right? I just want someone to tweet what they think so that I can retweet it. In our society, just give me the bullet points, please. Come on. Just give me the facts. Just the facts, ma'am. Well, John goes back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And the one thing that is consistent through this whole, and that's where we got our first one, ask anything and you will receive it and your joy will be complete. Right after Peter says, I'm not going to deny you, and God, Jesus says, you will disown me. Do you know anybody that's been disowned before? I happen to know a few people who have been disowned. Or they have to act like someone else in order to be accepted. They have to ignore their entire life around this one person so that this person will accept them. The word disown means to divert. The word disown means to literally, the picture, again, Eastern culture, the picture is that there is a river. Does anybody, you guys should know this. Does anybody know what a watershed is? Yes, okay. Has anybody ever heard of the Columbia River watershed? Anyone? Show of hands. Anybody? The Columbia River watershed includes seven of our states and a Canadian state. It's kind of a big deal, right? Now, all of this water, all of these streams, they all flow away from each other or together? It's not a trick question, guys, okay? This is a soft toss, all right? Do they flow away from each other or do they consistently flow together? When Jesus says, Peter, you will surely disown me, he is saying the river that was designed, the watershed that was designed to flow together, you are on a path of darkness and now you're on a path of light. We're all going towards the same place. He's saying that is being disrupted. Peter, you were walking with me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. You were walking along the path with me, but you are going to divert. You guys with me? Okay. John goes through all of this stuff and, and I want to meander as much as you do, but, um, we have to end so that we can come to church again this evening. So I'm going to, I'm going to paraphrase this all three chapters. We're going to paraphrase with, uh, John 17 verse 20. Jesus has talked 
and talked and talked. They have talked at the table. They've gotten up. They've walked through the Garden of Gethsemane. They've walked all the way to the Mount of Olives. Jesus has been talking and talking, and John is recording everything that Jesus is saying. Jesus is literally walking and meandering and figuratively using language, meandering through, and then he ends on this. This is the prayer that Jesus prays right before he gets betrayed. John 17, verse 20. And this is Jesus praying to the Father. My prayer is not for them alone, being Jesus' disciples. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. Okay? So are you getting the picture of a watershed? Right? It's not just the Snake River that runs into the Columbia. Right? There are rivers and rivers and rivers and rivers and rivers that are flowing together. My prayer is not just for this one or that one or these specific ones. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message that all of them may be, that all of them may be, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. Peter you are going to divert. Peter, you are going to walk away. Peter, you are going to slowly but surely over three series of questions, our relationship is going to erode. And Jesus, right before all that happens, says, God, Father, God, please, please keep them together. Just like you and I are together. Just like you and I and the advocate, the Holy Spirit are one. God, please make them one with us so that we are all together looking and going in the same direction. If you read through John, Peter, or Peter, Jesus is constantly saying, I didn't come up with this. All I'm doing is looking at the Father and doing what the Father told me to do. If you want to know who the Father is, look at me. Because I am just like my Father. You don't know who my Father is. You know who my Father is because you've looked at me. Has anybody ever met that son who looks exactly like their father 20 years ago? Come on. I, I've got a, my chiropractor, and I was telling my chiropractor about a friend who is a little bit older than me, <clears throat> 20 years and I said, yo, yeah, I got this new chiropractor. And he goes, that is the most uncanny kid in the world. And I was like, really? He goes, he looks exactly like his father in high school. Exactly. And Jesus is saying the same thing. Jesus says, when you look at me, you are looking at the father. Because we're one. We're together. There's no diverting. There's no special interest. There's no special agenda. It is the father's agenda. It is the Father's way. These are the Father's words. Peter's divergence was such a big deal that later we have Peter and Jesus make up three different times. Jesus says, Peter, do you love me? And Peter's like, yeah, for sure. For sure I love you. I may have cussed at that girl about it, but for sure I love you. Peter, do you really love me? Yeah, 
Jesus, I love you. How could you possibly imagine that I don't? Well, there was that one time when I was getting beaten and you told people you'd never seen me before. There was that one time. Oh, okay. Peter, do you love me? Absolutely. And it says that Peter was troubled. Peter was troubled. His heart was troubled that Jesus would question him this far. And he says, if you love me, do what I command you to do. You've branched off. You did your own thing. Now come back. Come back to my, your first love. Come back to the reason why you left the fishing business in the first place. Okay? Come back. Be a fisher of men like we did discussed. What was your relationship with Jesus like at the beginning? When you were ready to sacrifice everything. What was your relationship like when you would spend hours and hours and hours and hours and ungodly hours on the phone with your spouse just talking about literally nothing? Because you just wanted to hear the sound of their voice. Anybody? Anybody? Kids today are missing out. It's just texting. Ugh. There's no romance. Jesus is talking about being one. Jesus is talking about having this love affair, this affection, this trust, this driving force that keeps us together. He says, be one with me. But we're scared. If you go through and, and look at the reasons why Peter denies Jesus, it's because he was scared. Ironically, John, who's writing this, it actually says, John had an in with the high priest. And so they both followed Jesus to the high priest's house where they were Accusing Jesus, they both follow Jesus. Good start, Peter. And John had favor. John was known somehow, some way to the high priest. And they're like, oh, what's up, John? Yeah, you can come in. And they're like, hey, who are you, Peter? You look a little rough. Who are you? Ah, uh, you, you know, just a guy, just a... Uh. <laughs> Have you ever been on the outside before? Have you ever been excluded before? It doesn't feel very good. When we are excluded, when we are scared, when we have affection somewhere else, we will turn away. We will walk away and we will find something better, something that makes us feel good, something that makes us feel safe. And we will stop being brave for the relationship that's important. Come on. Being married takes courage. Parenting, even more. Being raised by parents who don't know what they're doing the most. Come on, can we give a, our teenagers a round of applause? Your parents have no idea what they're doing. They want you to think they do, but they don't. So Jesus says, Ask for anything 
Ask for anything, and I'll give it to you, and your joy will be complete. So we ask for things. And we ask for stuff. And we ask for so-and-so to stop being an idiot. And we ask for somebody to be nice to me. And we ask for things to be easier. And we ask for a better life. And we ask for what? What are we asking for? Could it be? Could it be that Jesus was saying, ask me for knowledge about me. Ask me where the river of God runs so that you can be there. Ask me what my decrees are. Ask me what my commandments are. Ask me. I think I've shared this with you before. In 2015, I had this wild-haired idea, and I thought to myself, you know what? Being married is a little crazy. It's a little bit back and forth, all right? Sometimes I don't know what she wants. Am I the only person who has this problem? And I thought to myself, I'm a pretty smart guy. Pretty curious. I'm great at research. I like the scientific method. I will. And I actually told Anya this. I looked her dead in the face and I said, I am going to figure you out this year. This is my year. I got, (laughs) I almost said I got nothing, but I have almost nothing. Okay. Because that woman is a mystery. She is a beautiful, wild mystery. She is vibrant. She is exciting. She is incredible. I got almost nothing. All right? I do know when to bring tacos home. Okay? And it is when she tells me to. All right? That's how far I've gotten. Could it be that God wants you? to have that same heart. Gosh, God, I want to figure you out. God, I want to know what makes you tick. God, I want to know what pleases you. Jesus, what in the world do you want me to do with this kid? Come on. God, I hear that the economy is about to tank. What should I do? Who are you? Can I trust you? And all of those things are great. And knowing the answers to the questions on the test, I I am a huge fan of, right? But all of that stuff is going to go away. Our cars, our schools, our economy, everything, it's going to go away. Jesus says that it's all going to be corrupted. It's all going to be decayed. If you've owned a house longer than 10 years in Clatsop County, you know this is a fact. There will be dry rot or wet rot somewhere. 
It's all going to go away. So what are we asking for? 1 John chapter 5, verse 11. And this is the testimony. This is the end of the line. This is where the watershed meets the ocean. This is when, this is the spot right here that you really got to make sure that you don't miss. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life and this life is in his son. You can chase all the things you want to chase. You can build yourself up behind all sorts of walls and protections all you want. But eternal life is found in his son. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son of God does not have life. John, thank you for no longer speaking figuratively, but speaking plainly. All this stuff is going to go away. All of it is going to go away. We're heading into 2024. And I don't want to steal what you're going to say tonight. But Jesus is the big deal. Knowing Jesus is the big deal. Come on. Everything else is going to fall away. Everything else is going to fall away. When I was 17 years old, I got a bogus speeding ticket. And I hung it on my door, and I looked at it every time, and I thought, I will never pay Clatsop County $157 ever again. You guys have no idea how big of a deal that was to me. I don't even care about that anymore. Come on. It's a funny story. There are things that are so huge in your life and in my life right now that are gonna be nothing literally next year. Much less 10 years from now, 20 years from now. How about for eternity? Do you think I'm gonna be bringing that up when I'm standing before the God of the universe? Probably not. But how much time do I spend stressing about that? How much time do I spend stressing about my bills and my kids and this and that and the economy? Come on. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life and this life is in his son. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son of God does not have life. Can I get the musicians to come on up? Wherever thou art. There we are. There we are. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. It's possible if you don't have joy and your joy is not complete, it's possible that we're asking for the wrong thing. For the wrong reasons. Come on. Are you ready? She thought this is going to be a slow train. No, ma'am. Why don't you guys stand up?
me vision to see things like you do. God, I look to you. You're where my help comes from. Give me wisdom. Oh, you know just what to do. Oh 
before we leave, uh, I just want to invite you one more time to uh, tonight's vision night. Um, I remember the first time that my pastor asked me to come on a Sunday night service. I thought, you are crazy. <laughs> it's Sunday night. But what I learned is that the more I'm in the house of God, the closer I get to God. And the more I'm around God's people, the happier that I am. So we want to help you kick off your 2024 with, with a vision night service and a prayer night. Um, if I offered donuts, most of you would probably show up, but there's no donuts tonight. <laughs> just, just good testimony. We're going to share some testimony of four people who got saved last year and how God changed their life. I'm excited about them to be able to share. I got questions I'm going to ask them, and they don't even know what the questions are yet, so it's going to be awesome. And uh, then uh, we're going to have some worship. We're going to uh, do some preaching. I haven't preached on a Wednesday night or uh, on a Sunday night for 15 years. And I haven't preached in three weeks, so I got a lot built up in me. So I don't know how it's going to work out. It may, may be ugly, but we're going to have a good time. So I just want to invite you, 6 o'clock. I know there's no child care. Uh, again, it's good for kids to be in church. It's good for them to be around the adults. It's good for, the, for them to watch the preacher go crazy. And uh, we, I'm, I'm looking forward to 2024. I'm just going to tell you, I'm excited about you, those of you who are attending today. I'm excited about what God's going to do. God's going to surprise you in 2024. I think you're going to be shocked by what he does in your life. And I just want you to be a part of that. And I want you to be as much as alive in that as you can be. So let's go ahead and pray real quick. Father, thank you for those who came today to hear uh, the word of God. Father, while it was presented by a man, it comes through Jesus Christ. Because without Jesus Christ, that man couldn't have preached the word of God. Not in that way. So Father, we just pray that you open our hearts up to you. And that we look to you to be one with you and with each other. We love you and we just pray that you are honored by our hearts today. Lord, bring us back tonight that we may honor you again and end this year properly. We love you so in Jesus we pray. I know God's people said? Amen. All right, have a great day, guys. We'll see you tonight. God bless.